Get the best odds on all the big games this March. Download the Circa Sports Iowa app today. Time for a Saturday edition of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. A post-NBA draft breakdown recording today in the Carl Chevrolet studios. There's no better place to buy, sell, or trade your car than Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny or Carl Chevrolet of Stewart, especially if you are driving a Chevy certifiable model of the Silverado Cruze, Malibu, Traverse, or Equinox. To be a a certifiable model, they must be a 2013 or newer with less than 75,000 miles. They also have a new program exclusively at Carl Chevrolet and Carl Chevrolet of Stewart, where if they don't have the pre-owned vehicle you're looking for on their lot, they will go and get it for you. They have great buyers on hand whose job is to get what their customers need. This is just another way that they are your dealer for life. And the process is just the same if they did have it on their lot. They will do an interview with you to understand what you want, give you pricing, and then they will go and get it for you. In their, their goal is to have it secured within 10 days. Let them do all the hard work on finding what you want and having it backed by Carl Chevrolet. That is why it should be your only stop when you are looking to get a new or pre-owned vehicle. You can check them out online at carlchevrolet.com or carlchevroletstewart.com. Carl Chevrolet in Ankeny at Exit 90 at The Rock and Carl Chevrolet of Stewart. There's no better place to to do a trade. And when you go to Carl Chevrolet, they won't even make you give up three big-time prospects and all of the picks for the entire future of your organization. So they're not going to fleece you in the same way that the New Orleans Pelicans might. Uh, I also want to remind you guys that we are doing a limited edition 4th of July t-shirt right now on CycloneFanatic.com. Beer, Fireworks, America, they're $18.00. You can find those on the Cyclone Fanatic store, uh, teamcloset.com slash Cyclone Fanatic. So check those out. You want to get those orders in by June 25th in order to get those for the 4th of July. Last but not least, if you like what we do here at Cyclone Fanatic, if you like Austin Hurst's NBA knowledge, then we ask that you please consider becoming a patron on our Patreon. You can find the way to do that on the homepage of Cyclone Fanatic right there on the right side of the page. There's an orange button that says become a patron. It's easy and it's secure and it doesn't matter how much you might want to give per month. We appreciate any of it. What's up, Austin Hurst? How we doing, man? I'm good. How are you, dude? I'm doing well. Doing well. Best time of year, NBA draft. Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy night. It's been a crazy week of NBA stuff. It's just fast and furious. Yeah. It's the it's the league that never stops, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're going to talk, talk a little bit about the Iowa State guys. First, we know where all four of the – or, well, four of the five guys who decided to go pro, we know where they will be playing in the summer league. I guess we'll, we don't know about Cam Lard. Haven't heard anything, at least at, at this point, of when we're recording this. But let's start with Taylor Horton Tucker goes – 44th overall to the Los Angeles Lakers in the second round of last night's draft. I wasn't, or 40, 46th, excuse me. Um, I wasn't ex- surprised to see Taylor drop that far, but at the same time, it it sucked. I felt bad for him. Yeah, I did too. Um, kind of some people in the industry, there was rumblings that they thought he might slide a little bit, uh, just not slotted as high on people's boards as it was originally came out to be. Yeah. And obviously the whole Walmart incident didn't help either. Um, but yeah, no, definitely a bummer. So hopefully that just adds an extra chip on his shoulder and, 
you know, motivates them even harder. But, you know, once again, there's only 60 guys that get their name called. Yeah. So that in, in itself is a great accomplishment. And uh, obviously all of us wish the best for Taylor and hope he makes the most of his opportunity with the Lakers. See, and that's where I, you know, I saw some people, or I had at least one guy coming at me and Chris, you know, acting like we wanted Taylor to go in the first round only to help the program. And that just isn't – that's not true. I think Taylor's a cool kid. And uh, – I want to see him have a lot of success. And it sucked when you knew, you know, when he made the decision to go and, and go into the draft, at that time he was a consensus top 25 pick, basically. And it just seems like over the last several weeks, he started to slide farther and farther down. And that's when I started to get surprised. Where I was even, it got even to like pick 35. And I was like, man, he's got to be going in the next like couple picks here. And he just kept going further and further down. And that, that's the only thing that I think was surprising to me was that his slide really, it seemed a lot more drastic in the moment than what even really what I anticipated before the draft had started. Yeah, I completely agree. And you're kind of getting to the point where you're getting in the 40s and late 40s and you're just wondering if he's even going to get his name called at right. that point. So obviously it was great to hear his name called. Um, but yeah, no, the slide just... As you're watching it in real time, it just kind of seems like it's escalating, and I'm sure it felt 10 times worse for him. Right. Um, but also with his situation, you know, he's represented by Rich Paul, who obviously represents LeBron and, and Anthony Davis. So I think that Rich Paul might be running the Lakers himself, uh, but that's a whole different conversation. But, you know, Rich Paul's not taking on just anybody. Right. He obviously saw something in Taylor and – that kind of just gave you a little bit of confidence that right. he was for sure going to hear his name called. Well, and all jokes aside, like there, there is some – they did see him. You know, like Rob Palenka said that – or Talon said that he talked to Rob Palenka at the uh, Clutch Sports Pro Day, which would – and that was the only time that he ever interviewed with him. But we also have to keep in mind, too, that at the time of, like, the combine – a lot of workouts and stuff like that, the Lakers thought they were going to be drafting with the fourth pick. Right. And they didn't have any second-round picks or anything like that. So for them to – they really weren't even focused on somebody like that. You right. Know, you know, they were they were looking at the guys at the top, very top of the draft. So they had to make some moves. And I think when, he, when they probably saw that he was sitting there, it's like, all right, well, we know this kid. You know, we know that we'll be comfortable with the people that he's represented by you know, might as well take a flyer on him. Yeah. It's a good value pick at 46. Absolutely. And that's one thing that I hope for Taylor is I hope he gets time to develop in the G League. Yeah. And that's one of my concerns about being drafted to the Lakers is, you know, with the team that they're looking to build, if they add another max contract player, he's a guy that could be on the NBA bench next year just because of how cheap his contract will be towards right. the salary cap. And really – he needs time to develop in the G League and just and even, get even game action. I can't imagine he'd play that much. Right, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, I'd rather see him be in the G League and be able to develop and work on his game rather than sitting as the 11th or 12th man right. on the Lakers bench getting no run. Yeah, I mean, I I think that they would I, – I, I'm pretty sure – I I feel like they'll put him on a two-way. I, I think that that's probably the most likely scenario. Where's Where's the Lakers – G League team even at? It's in LA. Is it? Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's what I kind of figured that's probably where it was. But uh, I mean, they'll be able to get guys on the minimum 
to sit on the end of the bench. Right. You know. To play with LeBron so, and right. Anthony Davis. Well, and that's the other thing. Even if you have to sit on the bench, man, he's got a front row seat to watch Anthony Davis and LeBron every night. Right. There's there's definitely a lot worse jobs in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just hope it's not one of those situations where Rich Paul's lobbying for Taylor to be on the bench. Um, I just hope that he's able to develop in the G League because I think, you know, with some development and that's a whole other conversation. I know you were referring to that Twitter argument that you were – uh, you had a guy coming at you last night. Yeah. And, you know, it's all about perspective and opinion. And, and you know, you got to respect Taylor's decision that he wanted to go pro. And in my personal opinion, there's, you know, nothing wrong with wanting to go pro and develop your game while getting paid. Yeah. And you're focused fully on developing your game. I, I have no issues with that. And I wish him the best. So I just hope that for his sake, he's able to develop his game in the G League, um, you know, get reps, um, game reps, obviously practice reps as well. Um, and then be able to contribute to an NBA team later down the road. See, and that's where, that's where I was coming from on a lot of that stuff. Obviously, I want, I'm 100% behind Taylor going pro. Like I, I will never sit here and say, if you think that you're ready and you're hearing that you're going to get picked, don't go. Like that's just, I, I will never say anything like that. I'm 100% behind these guys going and doing what they want to do. But the thing that is scary about it which he ended up in a good situation so it kind of like this kind of mitigates it uh mitigates that is that when you fall into that second round especially the further and further you fall in there you have absolutely nothing guaranteed to you you know and that's where you know you get into a situation where it's like man i got picked or i signed with the team but there's no promises here that i'm going to end up with anything and the one thing that you did have guaranteed was that you could go back to iowa state and that's like that's where i i sit there and i'm like man that's when you start to wonder, like, did he make the right choice? Right. You know, and I, like I said, I think that he did because he ended up in a good situation. But it's different than, you know, people were comparing him to Deontay Burton and Monte and George and Naz. The difference for all those guys is that they had, they had no other option. It's not like they could have gone back, you right. know. They, and even you think about what Deontay had to do. He had to go to Korea to be able to even get back onto the NBA radar. Right. And Naz has sat on the end of the bench and been in the G League for two years now where he's just trying to work his way into getting into a full NBA contract. And George has got his way there, and he gets to play some minutes for the Jazz, but it's not like he's done anything remarkable after three years in the, in the, like, as a pro. So that, that's what I'm saying is like you have absolutely nothing guaranteed, and it takes a lot of hard work, and you're really betting on yourself in a situation when you're going to leave school and then you end up as a second-round pick. Right. I I agree with that. I'll just play a little devil's advocate with you and also with the people that were 100% on board that he re- he should return and not turn pro at all. Um, I think you can even just look at Lindell yeah. and kind of what happened to him. You know, obviously nothing was guaranteed after his freshman year. Do we think he would have been picked last year? Would he have been a second-round pick? I – it would have been very close. Yeah, he um, would have been – I mean, he would have been it right been, on the edge, I think. Right, right. I mean, he would have been, you know – Similar to where, where Taylor was at to 55. I mean, yeah. you know, in the second round, you can slot a lot of those picks being international guys that are drafting stash players. But it's just hard. It's very hard to look at and just say that, oh, yeah, he should for sure come back to school. Because in my personal opinion, and I know this isn't always the popular opinion, but I'm 100% with you. I think if a if a kid has an opportunity to do something that he loves and uh-huh. makes money for it and he wants to do that 
I'm a hundred percent on board that he should go make money if right. you know playing the game that he loves if he has the opportunity to do it. Um, obviously, yeah, an extra year of Iowa State could have helped him, um, but it could have hurt him too. It also could have hurt him, yeah. and I just think that you never know how it's going to play out. Some guys, you know, they they come back for another year. I mean. You just look at a guy like Cameron Johnson from North Carolina. I mean, he played at college for five years. He was at Pitt for three years, grad transferred to North Carolina, and actually had two years at North Carolina. So he was a five-year college player and went number 11 overall. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas you've got a guy like Talon who played one year in college and went 46. I mean, there's not a clear path. And like we've said uh, just off the air, it's not always the NBA going after young guys. Right. but I think just circling back to what we started talking about, I don't know for sure if Lindell would have been picked last year, but there's no doubt that coming back for a year ended up hurting his yeah. draft stock. Because he would have had a better chance to get picked last year absolutely. than he did this year. Absolutely. Man, it's crazy to even look at the list of guys that could have come back yeah. that, uh, that didn't get picked. I mean, Jonte Porter, uh, Lewis King. Uh, Kenny Wooten from Oregon. I mean, look at I look at a guy we saw firsthand, Dedrick Lawson. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's the guys that did not come back. If you'd made that one college basketball team, they might win the national championship. Yeah, like that that team would would be really good. And it's just, I mean, I can't blame Dedrick Lawson for going pro. <laughs> to no. be completely honest, except. It, I feel like for a guy like him, he's already so deep into it. I mean, he was already a junior, right? You know, like what's it going to be? What's going to be the difference? And in he was one already year? a fourth-year junior. Yeah. So yeah, he'd already been in college for four years. It's like, yep. man, you might as well just do it like one more year, and it's not going to be any different for you, right? Being eight, you know, being twenty-two and twenty-three or whatever. But on is. the counterpoint, it's kind of the unless thing. he gets hurt or something, right? And, yeah. You know, and that's kind of, that's obviously what happened to Lindell. He ended up getting hurt, but it's also the counterpoint of. He's probably sitting there thinking, what else can I do in college to prove myself? Yeah. You know, he really, I mean, He's potentially he could have yeah. had a better year the next year, but it would have been very hard to surpass what he did this year. Mm-hmm. Especially with the team they have coming back. Yeah. I mean, they've got some good pieces, but it's just, that'd be kind of a, yeah, he wasn't probably going to be any better, put up any better numbers. Right. Uh, but, I mean, I think when you look at why Talon would have fallen, I was thinking about this last night, when you – Look at the guys that were getting picked, the ones that were getting picked ahead of him. T- take even Cam Johnson, for example. Man, even Mario Shayak, where you look at him. I think that they value consistency a lot more than what we think sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where they want, they see a guy who has done it for a long time, or even a guy like Mario who went to a different school, comes out, and he did it night in and night out, was doing the same thing. You knew what you were going to get from Mario Shayak every time he stepped on the floor. And if you're not a... You know, if you're not a Darius Garland, uh, a someone like that that is just like a high, high, high level talent, then they're they're not, and they look at you and they're like, man, yeah, he's got some tools, he's got the length, he's got some playmaking ability, but he doesn't defend. He is inconsistent as a shooter. His shot is one that is probably going to take some work to be able to fix, and that's like, okay, now we know we're taking a risk. This isn't a guy that we look at and it's like, okay, we feel like we know what we're getting from this kid. You know, like you take a guy like Cam Johnson, who's 23 at 11, and that some people might look at that as a reach, but for the Timberwolves, they look at it and they're like, all right, we know what we're going to get in Cam Johnson. We know that we're going to get a guy who can shoot the basketball, who's going to play hard and is going to work hard. And it's like, at that point, you're like, all right, we got a pretty good team already. We don't need to go out and get some and reach on some guy that, uh, 
that we need to wait for four years to turn into who we want him to be. We need somebody that can come in and play right now and make an impact for us. Yeah, that's how it's very interesting to just – how the second round plays out and teams' philosophies you can kind of see yeah. in the second round because you'll have teams like Golden State and other luxury tax teams that are looking for guys. Like, for example, Golden State took Eric Paschal. I mean, they're looking at him to come in and contribute next year mm-hmm. right away on a cheap deal. Whereas a guy like Talon and even just a guy like Bull Bull um, – I felt bad for him, too. I did as well. Especially since he was in the green room. Yeah, I did as well. Um, Those guys are obviously more of a project. They're not as much of a sure thing. So you've got to find a team that's willing to be patient. And that's kind of what I was insinuating at earlier with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. I hope that they're patient with Taylor and give him a chance to develop. But, yeah, it's just – it's. It's very difficult, and I agree with what you said about looking for consistency and valuing consistency because if there is a big knock on Taylor is he's very inconsistent this past year. and But then you also look at the counterpoint of, okay, well, this kid is very young for this draft class. Yeah. I think he's – He turns 19 in November, yeah. Yeah, I believe he's the second youngest player in this draft. Or, no, he was the youngest. Yeah. He was the youngest, okay. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's – By quite a ways, I think. Yeah, he's very, very young for this draft, so – He's younger than a bunch of guys even in the next class. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I mean, he played his first however many games with Iowa State this past year when he was 17 years old. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I think that's just what it comes down to with him is that you look at what what he did – and like I said, you see a lot of positives, but you can also sit there and see negatives. And it's like you can talk yourself out of it. And teams don't want to draft somebody in the first round that they can sit there and talk themselves out of why they did this, right. why this is the wrong move. And I think there was teams that were kind of all over the board on him in terms of what do we think he can become. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of, he's – There's no mold for him. No, he's you know? he's kind of a positionless player. I mean, he's about 6'4 and a half, 240 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, are you going to try to play him as a small ball four? But, you know, I get – I've heard – I heard Who's going to com- guard then? That's what I – I heard a comparison the other day. Um, I will not say what podcast I was listening to, but they were comparing Taylor Horton Tucker as a possible Draymond Green. Yeah. And that's just the laziest I heard comparison that, that I've yeah. ever heard because Draymond is one of the most elite defenders in all of the NBA, and that's where he's found his niche. And – I mean, that's just not Taylor, and that's not who he is. Well, and he just plays his ass off every minute of the game. Yeah. Every minute that he's on the floor, he plays his ass off. Yeah. Can, can we say that, that we've ever seen that from Taylor? I mean, I'm, I'm not, not saying he doesn't play hard, but when he plays – like, there's times on defense where he's just standing there. Yeah. I, I, and that's, that's, where, that's what I'm saying. It's just like there's – maybe it's not that he doesn't play hard. It's like he takes some time off He doesn't have a, a He doesn't have a noticeable high motor, I yeah, would say. Yeah. Not, I don't think it's necessarily that he does not play hard. And I think part of that as well that you were mentioning is also due to his conditioning, due yeah. to his body type that he has right now. Because obviously he's going to have to trim up some of, you know, the, the baby fat that he still right. has on him. He's still really young. Yeah, he's 240, and I wouldn't say it's a good 240. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and he's just – he's still really young. You know, he's got time to grow into his body, and that's obviously what the Lakers are hoping for, that, yeah. you know, he'll slowly kind of, you know, fill out his body because he's still so young. But, no, I think – I don't necessarily agree that I think when he took plays off, I would say it was more due to a lack of conditioning yeah. rather than That's fair. a lack of effort. Okay. Yeah. I'm not trying to like knock on no, him. I'm, I know, I'm I know. just saying that yeah. I think when you watch him play defense, you're not, you don't 
look at that and say, oh, this is Draymond Green. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what, and I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, you you watch a guy like the guys that come to mind to me are are Draymond Green and even like a Montrez Harrell. Like yeah. you watch that guy and you're like, wow, that guy plays his ass off every single minute he's in the game. Yeah. Like his motor is unbelievable, and, and they're in such good those, shape. Yeah, and that's what makes those shape. guys thrive. And yeah. you know, a guy like Montrez Harrell and even a guy like Draymond Green. I mean, that's why they're having so much success in the NBA yeah. because. You know, those guys are just out there playing very hard at a very high level. Well, Draymond, a guy like Draymond never sticks in the league if it's not for the way that he plays on defense. Yeah. You know, I mean, he look at back at those finals. Nobody guarded him. I mean, you don't have to guard him. Yeah. Really. And, uh, and they had to keep him out there. He's yeah. still one of their best players. Yeah. It's, it's really because of the impact that he makes on the defensive end. Man, I think you even look at a guy like Jordan Bell, where that that's almost where you can see where they're playing too hard or playing hard can almost become a negative sometimes because he plays himself out of things. Yeah. And that's another guy that where the Warriors took him in the second round and right, right when they took him, you're like, dang, okay, he might actually be able to make an impact for them. You know, they're really good at that where they just, they can look at guys and say, all right, you know, he's a four year college player. He's 23 years old. So he's already pretty mature physically. As long as we can teach him our system and he can pick it up and be able to be effective with it then he can come in and help us right now. Right. And I guess that's the luxury when you have, I mean, you've had as good a teams as what they've had. Well, you really just need plug and play type guys. Exactly. You're just looking for a guy that will come in and buy into his role and, and be maximize. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of the point that I was getting at earlier with second rounders is teams approach second round picks different ways. Whereas a team like Golden State and, you know, other teams that are, have and I'm, like the Lakers will be this year uh-huh. with obviously the max deals and they're looking to add another max player but we'll talk about that later right and yeah. those you know those teams are looking for more value in the second round of like okay who's a guy that we can take a flyer on we think he's going to be able to potentially come in fill a role and like you said be extremely cheap yeah and like Jordan Bell that's a guy that they took a flyer on and it didn't work out the second year but it sure did the first year right he was awesome last year in the finals yeah and then you've got other teams that you know, you're, they're looking at guys, international guys, to draft and stash them and just have their rights. And some of them come over right away, and some of them will never come over. Yeah. And you've also got teams that are taking guys who are projects that they're like, you know what, we can sit, be patient, let this guy develop, see if he can become something. And if we don't see him coming in, it's not guaranteed. So we right. can always just cut him loose. See, and that's that's the thing. When you look at a guy like, like Bull Bull or you look at a guy like Taylor, there's so little – there's so little risk, especially with those two guys, I think, in the second round. There's very little risk, but there's the potential for very high reward. Where you could see Taylor become a guy who is a, you know, a, is a starter in the NBA, mm-hmm. I think. A guy who, who can play big minutes for you, and uh, it can be a, can, a guy who can come in and score and, and make plays for you, uh, passing the ball as well. And with Bull Bull, man, for the Heat, if he comes in and, he's, and is healthy, they're able to put some weight on him. Dude, that guy could be a – he'd be an all-star. Yeah. Like, he's got the skill set to be a really, really good player. I think people forget that just because he didn't get to play yeah. at, at Oregon. And I think just a reason for him as well is that he fell – and this is pure speculation. I don't know anything. I'm guessing his medicals were very, very, bad. Very, very bad. Which in is terms of, which doesn't surprise me because yeah. he's like 7'2 and weighs like 180 pounds. Yeah, he, I mean, he – on this – on uh, – MyNBADraft.com, he is listed at 7'3", 235. There's 0% that guy, 0% chance that guy is 235 pounds. I had read articles that um, he suffered a foot injury, and I believe he played nine games this year for Mm -hmm. Oregon. 
and he got up to 208 pounds before the season and he had and then he lost it all he lost he was down to about 180 pounds yeah. after the foot injury so i think that's part of the concern that teams have too is you know he's a seven foot three center and will he be able to keep on that weight because you know he lost that weight very quickly after he got hurt mm-hmm. yeah all right let's turn to turn to mariel uh i think this is another thing where you can look at the and i think you can look at where a team is at just in their you know their building period building process where the Sixers are obviously a team that's already good came one shot away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals uh and I don't know that they will sign Mariel to a full deal but man would it surprise you at all if they did no I mean he's another guy that just like we talked about looking for a guy to fill a role yeah and he's a guy that you they got nobody who can shoot. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> outside, of, and J.J. Redick might not come back, so. I think Mario's going to have a damn good chance to make that team. I do, too. I think. I do, uh, too. I think that's a good fit for him, and just kind of like we discussed before, I mean, that's a they're looking for a guy to fill a role that can come in and potentially tri- contribute next year because their, their window, they see it as right now, and he's another guy that's cheap, so it keeps, you know, those potential, I mean, Keeps it open where they could still sign Jimmy Butler mm-hmm. and Tobias Harris. Yeah. So I think he's a guy that has a very good chance to stick, especially if Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris comes back. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that he's going to end up having a really good NBA career. Um, but they, yeah, they just need people to come in and shoot. And we know he can do that, you know, and, and he's going to play hard. He's going to play hard. And I think he's the perfect guy that can come off the bench because he's got the ability to score. He can create his own shot. And he's got good size. Yeah, good um, length. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, shooting. I mean, in the NBA with his size, I mean, he's about six foot six, And if you can shoot the ball, I mean, you're going to have a chance, especially, I mean, he's athletic. Yeah. So I think that's a very, very good fit for him. And I know you're pumped about that. Oh, yeah, I'm pumped about that. And it, and it just it, – it almost counteracts, you know, I joked – when they drafted Matisse Thybul in the first round, where <laughs> Matisse Thybul is a guy who's like a transcendent level prospect as far as a defender, but he doesn't do anything on offense. Yeah. All of his points basically come out, came off of getting steals and going coast to coast. And getting dunks. Yeah, and getting dunks. And so that's where I'm like, man, I see what the Sixers are trying to do here. They're just going to be so elite defensively that nobody scores a single basket. So then they only have to make two or make one basket the entire game to win. It's, like, it, it's foolproof. No one's ever done it in the history of the NBA. But I think that it uh, I think I can see what they're trying to do here. And then they go and get Mariel and it's like, OK, no, now we're going to get buckets. <laughs> and I think uh, I think maybe they're ahead of the curve there. Maybe they think the game's coming back yeah. away from offense. It's just going to go back towards uh, grinded out defense. No, I think I think that's a really good fit for Mariel and obviously really awesome moment for him getting his name called Did you see I that mean, video yeah that, Dude, was, that was awesome that was awesome yeah um i just think too that it has to be really rewarding not only for him but steve prome the staff as well you know he plays three years at virginia he bet you know, on himself yeah he absolutely bet on himself played three years at virginia all in all had a was having a solid career right and just you know was looking for a bigger role on a different team and uh, there's not many guys that on their own transfer before their senior year when they have to sit out. Yeah. Normally there's some sort of red flag or dismissal that happened at the previous school, but he just transferred on his own. And obviously, you know, it worked out great for him. And 
not only for him, you know, it worked out great for Iowa State. I mean, that that fit was almost a match made in heaven. And right. just really, really cool to see him be at Iowa State for two years. And, I mean, he exceeded everybody's expectations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. just a really cool moment for him. And, you know, just really, really awesome to see him get his name called. It takes some guts, though, to leave a leave a program like the one that he was at uh, where um, – where you see them, I mean, they win the ACC last year, number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, that didn't end up very well. Mm-hmm. But then they win the national championship this year. He wouldn't have been part of this team if he would have stayed. But you you look at that inside, man, it takes some guts to be like, no, nah, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else. Oh, yeah. And leave that, you know? Yeah. And, it, I mean, it worked out for everybody at oh. the end of the day. Obviously, Virginia wins the national championship, and he goes to Iowa State, first team all-conference, and most outstanding player of the Big 12 tournament, and now he, and then he gets drafted. He wouldn't have got drafted if he was state of Virginia. Yeah, 100%. And I know that he was on NBA radars when he was at for Virginia, but I think there was a lot of questions about his offensive game mm-hmm. and would he really be able to contribute. I mean, he only averaged nine points a game, but at Virginia, I mean, that's – At Virginia, that's like averaging 18. Yeah, that's pretty comparable to right. averaging easily 15-plus anywhere else just with the amount of possessions they have per game. But, no, he took a leap of faith, and like you said, he bet on himself and came to Ames. And, obviously, the one thing I think that doesn't get talked about enough is – I watched quite a bit of film on him when he was at Virginia, and that dude worked his ass off in his sit-out year mm-hmm. to improve his game. Right. And his shot was not near as good as what it was no. at Iowa State. I mean, he had always had a great mid-range shot, right. but once he got out to the three-point line, it would, you know, the, the percentages would dip, and his consistency wasn't that great. But, I mean, that guy was a bucket, his one-year names. And it was fun to watch and just really, really cool for him if – if anybody hasn't seen that video on Twitter, uh, I wish I could remember who tweeted that, but yeah. that's just an awesome video. If you can find that on Twitter and if somebody... Oh, his, him and his family hearing yeah. his name called. Yeah. yeah, that's just... I mean, that's what it's all about, and you kind of lose sight of that. Just This is a life-changing night for you see the one for Jordan guys. Bone? Yeah. That one was awesome, too, where his brother's on the microphone basically thanking everybody for coming, and then his name pops up right yeah, behind they, him. they thought he wasn't getting picked, yeah. and uh, he gets picked at 57. And yeah. I mean, that's just – that's what it's all about. You know, these kids have just worked so hard their whole lives, and, um, you know, their dreams are coming true. And obviously there's a lot of work still left for guys like Mariel and Talon, but it's obviously a step in the right direction. And not only for those two guys, I mean, Lindell and Nick have both already signed. Uh, Um, Lindell signed with Toronto. Yep. Uh, Nick signs with Miami. Yep. Um, It sounds like Nick could be on an exhibit 10. I don't think that's official, but that's kind of what's being speculated where that he'll play with the summer league team and they could potentially, that could potentially turn into a two way contract, which that would be good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think Nick will be another guy that has a really good chance to stick. I think so too. And if there'd been two ways when his brother had been at that, at that stage, he probably would have stuck too. Oh, no doubt. And the two way contract is just a great way to start trying to keep guys in the G league and keep them from going to Europe because in the past, you know, you just have to make such a financial sacrifice. A lot of those guys were just better off going to Europe and that's what they prefer. And then if obviously, you know, the NBA ever, poked its head they would make the decision to come back or Mm -hmm. continue their career in Europe but I think I mean you think about him Melvin uh Tyrus McGee like they all stuck around for a while not maybe stuck around but were playing on summer league teams and stuff like that where they'd keep coming back 
trying to get another opportunity, and it just would never really stick. Yeah. Where if they could could have signed a two-way and been – when you go over to Europe, you're just so – you're almost out of sight, out of mind, Mm -hmm. you know? At that point, it's like, all right, I'm giving up on this to an extent. Unless you go over there and you're just getting buckets to the point that people are hearing about you again. Right. And I think truly the the two-way contract is very interesting because a lot of times it's young guys that it's spent on. I personally think that DeAndre Kane would have been a great two-way guy yeah. if he would have gotten an opportunity because with the two-way contract, you can spend up to 45 days in the NBA, which means you are essentially can play 45 games in the NBA. That's the deal that Monte was on last year. Uh, not this past season, but the season before mm-hmm. in his rookie year. And then uh, that's what Naz was on this past year as well. Um, I think for a guy like him, it would have been a great chance for that's an what NBA George was team. On. Yep. And Deontay. Yep. Um, I think it would have been a great opportunity for an NBA team to have the rights to DeAndre. And I know one of the biggest drawbacks on him was his age. Yeah. But they could have brought him in on two-way and said, you know, pretty much said, okay, you know, let's see what you can do. And – if he would have been he would have had an opportunity to show if he could right. play in the NBA right away whereas a lot of teams were scared off by his age um and he's went on to a great career in Europe mm-hmm. you know he's he's had a great career over there so i think he's got to be like 30 already doesn't he or at least close yeah he would be right around that wouldn't he I mean, he was like 25 when he was a senior yeah he graduated in 2014 yeah so five years? Yeah. So yeah, it would be. It's probably right around there. would be right around 30. Gosh, that's hard to believe. But, um, no, the two-way contract I think is, is great. And um, hopefully, you know, these guys that are Lindell and, and Nick and hopefully Cam too will be able to get, uh, you know, work their way up and maybe even onto a two-way contract this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't – I bet Lindell will be on one. I'm sure he will. I don't know if it'll be with Toronto, but we'll see. Yeah, and I think uh, – I just don't know. I mean, you can only have two of those guys. We right. should mention that. So, I, like, I, there's only 60 of those spots. Who knows what – you know, like I said, there's a lot of guys out there yeah, right now no, because of all those underclassmen that didn't get drafted. Exactly. And there's – I think Lindell um, – I think Lindell will end up on a two-way personally. I think the NBA game is – I think the spacing on the court will help him a lot. And if – if Lindell, obviously, you know, he's planning on playing with Toronto in the summer league, it looks like that's who he signed with. I think he's going to be, as long as he gets, uh, you know, a good amount of playing time, I think he's going to be a fun guy to watch in the summer league because that league's kind of just built for how he plays. It's mm-hmm. more of a – it's almost like a coordinated pickup game. Yeah. If you really watch it, I mean, guys get 10 fouls. Right. Um, I think he'll – Papianis that, that one year, the only guy I've ever seen uh, foul out, whatever his name, Yorgos Papianis. Papianis. Yeah, Papianis for the Kings. Yeah. Fouled out in three games, I think. Yeah, uh, that wasn't the greatest lottery pick ever, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, the Summer League is the, – The Summer League all-time leader in fouls. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a – it's almost just a somewhat – controlled pickup game right so I think that kind of fits the way that Lindell plays and you know hopefully he's able to have enough success out there to and get enough looks that someone will bring him in on a two-way or and uh go from there definitely all right we'll take a quick break we'll come back we'll talk about some more NBA stuff on the Cycle Fact podcast hey guys it's Williams we'll get you back to your podcast here momentarily but it's wanted to talk to you about eye care of course today and my friends at Ames and Des Moines Eye Care they meet your whole family's vision needs and they did that to me about a year ago where I got in 
and had my first eye exam since my childhood. Dr. Kruger was like, what are you doing, man? You got to come in and get your eyes checked more often. And I'm glad that I did. They found some stuff. They got me these designer glasses that I wear when I work now, when I'm creating content for you at cyclonefanatic.com. It has decreased my headaches incredibly. Uh, It's been fantastic. I I didn't even know half the stuff that Dr. Kruger was telling me about. And I'm assuming if you're a middle-aged guy like me, you're probably in the same boat. Get in there to Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Personalized eye care, designer eyewear. They've got same day, same week appointments, and they are really good people. And they help support us here at CycloneFanatic.com, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. It's Ames and Des Moines Eye Care. Welcome back to the Carl Chevrolet Studios. Talking some more broad NBA stuff now. Um, all right, where do you want to start? You want to talk about the some more about the draft? You want to do some free agency, some trade type stuff? You make the call. You're running the show. Let's talk about the draft. Um, I talked about Cam Johnson before. Was there anybody else that really stuck out to you as being a guy that landed in a you know that was a really good fit for somebody outside of Zion Williamson <laughs> or, or John Morant? <laughs> I honestly think that. Uh, I believe Jackson Hayes is going to he's going to New Orleans, right? Correct, yeah. I I think that's a good fit. I think that's gonna be a fun it's fit. It's gonna be perfect, dude. Because that front court is probably gonna be the most athletic front court in the NBA. Yeah. And that's gonna be fun. I mean he's I personally think Jackson Hayes is a guy that's just, that Lonzo's gonna love playing with. Just watching that guy in college, just a great screener, great roller, great hands. Um, you know, the more he develops a mid-range jump shot but right now I'd almost compare him to I'd almost say he's like he's Clint Capella-like yes yeah. with his athleticism and well he, I think he even said that that he tries to right. model his game after him yeah. I mean I th- I think that's I really really like that fit I think that mm-hmm. was a great pick yeah I mean the the Pelicans are going to be worth the price of league pass I was, I was to just, watch them I was just gonna say I was gonna put it right now on the board the 2019-2020 League pass team of the year, New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. Well, just with between that, Lonzo and Ingram, assuming that he's healthy, Zion and Jackson Hayes, there's going to be some ridiculous lobs thrown in these games. I mean, Jackson Hayes gets his hand, like, at the top of the backboard sometimes when oh. he's trying to go up and catch a lob. Oh, yeah. They, and then we know what Zion can do, obviously. Yeah, that, that kid's a freak. And I think that also just when Lonzo Ball played with the Lakers – he was he was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, just he obviously has had injury problems, and don't don't let his dad fool you or anything. You know, just don't don't let Levar Ball, dude. I think cast the shadow over Lonzo. Lonzo. I think he's like distancing some himself from Levar almost. Yeah, right with now. that whole big baller brand thing that happened. Yeah, that's a whole path that we're not even going to go down. It's but like all the kids are trying to get away from him. Yeah, Lamelo going to New Zealand. Goodness, I. I can't blame him. I mean, that for a while there, LeVar was writing checks that they couldn't cash. So, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but I think Lonzo's going to love playing with uh, with Jackson Hayes. And going back to kind of what we said earlier, I mean, goodness gracious, dude. Zion is a guy that his motor just sticks out immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the thing that always impressed me the most about him is it wasn't even his freakish athleticism or, you know, just his body structure and – any of that it was just you would turn that game on when he'd play every single night and he was the hardest playing player on the yeah. floor yeah every single night well that's where I think that you can you can almost make a comparison to him he's like Draymond Green but better he's he's like a better version of him 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Where the way he plays, that it reminds me of uh, – that's who I think of. I watch him and I'm like, man, this guy is plays as hard as Draymond, but he's like way more skilled than Draymond is. Yeah. To where he can shoot better. He can I – mean, but he's not – by no means like a ridiculous shooter. But no. he's just – he's way more skilled offensively, putting the ball on the floor and that kind of thing. And I think he's got good mechanics too that he can develop a, mm-hmm. a good jump shot. Um, the more he works at it, obviously – I, I think, think he's, he's about think as close to a sure bet as we've had as a number one pick in quite a while. Just where it's like, this guy is going to come in. And I don't see – he's going to come in and be good. Not like all NBA good right away, but like good, good. Like be a really solid player. I mean, is he is he the most sure thing first overall since Anthony Davis? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, that's the one that comes to mind to me would be – He's the most sure thing probably since Anthony Davis. Those are the only two guys that I can remember that every time you would watch them in college, they would do something that would make you just say, like, man, wow, yeah. like this guy. Yeah. You know, like this guy is something something different, cut from a different cloth. Oh, yeah. I think – and just the thing with Zion is I think obviously a lot of it was just his body type. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's about six – he's honestly about 6'6", six, six, yeah. you know, 285. And the guy has a vertical leap of close to 45. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, like I said, he, he, him and Anthony Davis were so head and shoulders above people just in what they were physically capable of to where you're like, damn, like, how, how do you even, how could anybody stop these guys? Yeah. You know? And people are still trying to figure out how to stop Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, um, I mean, I think Zion – He's going to go in there right away. And they they shouldn't even try and make a run to go to the playoffs. They're going to have a bunch of cap space. But I think they just need to keep accruing assets, keep getting young guys, keep that young core together. They're going to end up being pretty good like in two, three years. Yeah, and I think David Griffin's a really good general manager. I uh, yeah, I think that's being proven right now. Yeah, I think I think he essentially created a, a bidding war between – the Lakers and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but, no, I honestly think that trade was truly a win-win for both teams. Uh, you know, I think the Lakers it, got their guy, and yeah. they really needed to, but they gave up a lot. But, but they also, also were really stupid about the way they went about it, you know. Like, the, I mean, the fact that they don't even know how the cap space works is so – it's a, like, this borderline irresponsible as a NBA executive – to have to try and call back and be like, oh, wait, we didn't know that we wouldn't have enough cap space if we didn't wait to do this trade until late July. Yeah, that's that's not the best look. No, that's that's real bad. Like, And that's that's where I'm like, how do – okay, maybe Rob Plinka doesn't have to know these kinds of things, but there's got to be somebody there that yeah, has read the CBA inside and out, like some random dude that went to Harvard or something and just knows how these things work and sits around and crunches numbers. And that's what's that's what I, is so inexcusable to me. In my limited time being around NBA franchises, specifically most obviously with the Bulls, I interned with them. Every NBA team that I spoke with had a salary cap guru, quote yeah. unquote, that knew how the salary cap worked, knew exactly where they were at, and it's just, I mean, like you said, it's it's almost embarrassing. It, oh, really. it is absolutely embarrassing. Well, and it's that, and then not knowing how to work with the trade kicker. Yeah. I mean, any of that kind of stuff. It's like the fact, at that point, I would say, you know what, you can get through all that stuff. And then it's like, okay, he's got this trade kicker. 
that's where you're like, all right, we'll throw a couple more of these picks in, but y'all got to pick up the trade kicker. Right. You know, that's what that's what is so weird to me is that they, they didn't even know. I don't think that he was so focused on getting Anthony Davis that he didn't ask any questions. Yeah. It's just like, what do you want? And David Griffin kept saying, well, I want this. Rob Link's like, okay. Yeah. Well, I want this. Okay. Yeah. It's like he could ask for anything. He's like, I want, I want your house. Okay. He could have asked for anything except Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, except for Kyle Kuzma or LeBron. I guess yeah. those are the only two things that were off limits. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Circling it back, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the Lakers got their guy. They yeah. got the star. But they paid a large, large haul for him. And obviously – And they're still turning that haul into things. Yeah. You know, where they take the number four pick and turn it into 8, 17, and 52 or whatever it was. Yeah. No, I think David Griffin and New Orleans did a great job. I mean, they would be – if I had to give them a grade so far and entering free agency, I mean, it's, it's got to be an A. A. A plus, probably. A plus. Where you get Zion, you get Jackson Hayes, you get Lonzo, Brandon Ingram. You basically get the entire core of a good team. Yeah, and you and, get Josh Hart, who and, I think is a serviceable role player in the NBA. Right. So. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they've absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, what do you Speaking of the Bulls, what do you think of uh, Kobe White? Um, I'm, I'm excited. I Obviously, I'm a Bulls fan as well, but – they needed a point guard. Um, I like, obviously, his size and ability to shoot the ball. Um, he showed that he was pretty solid in the pick and roll, uh, which is something that excites me, obviously, with a guy like Lowry Markinen who can step out and shoot it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I like about him is his – I mean, he's really – he has that position flexibility where he could play either guard spot. Yeah. And I think that really helps because – I mean, obviously, you're hoping he's a guy that will end up being a starting point guard in the NBA. And with the currently how the Bulls roster is constructed, he can play with Zach Levine, and he could also play with Chris Dunn, which I think is a big bonus. So, uh-huh. obviously, he hasn't played a game yet. But without – I mean, I'd say it's – other than being at seven, and that was obviously disappointing because Chicago had the fourth best odds to win the lottery, and they got knocked back to seven. But – all in all, I mean, I think that's about the best it could have went for him. Right. I also want to note Bull Bull actually got traded to the Nuggets. Uh, yes. I forgot to – I kept saying the Heat. Yeah. These stupid trades, dude. We were talking about this before. This is so – it's so stupid that the way that they give them the wrong hat and everything when they send them up on stage. Yeah, and I, I just think it's ridiculous that even ESPN – I mean, yeah, they give them the wrong hat, which is bad enough, but ESPN doesn't even update on their little ticker thing. Yeah. You know – who cares if they're putting on a heat hat? If Bull, if you know that Bull Bull is being, you know, traded to Denver, just change the tab on the ESPN banner to Denver. Right. So, I mean, there was, there was a couple picks that got traded twice. And it's like, how the hell are you supposed to remember who's yeah. going where? I mean, I can't even remember now when I'm looking back at this because all the draft results that I can find are just the teams that took that pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's just what's so – I mean, it's so goofy. The – and I understand that they have to wait for the new league year or whatever to start, but right. it's, just, it's still it's just stupid. I mean, it's just it's just silly, honestly. It's asinine. It's, like yeah. there's, it's completely pointless. Yeah. There's no way. There's no reason for it to be that way. Uh, all right, let's. I think you got anything else from the draft that you want to say? Uh, the only other thing that I'd sleeper. You got a sleeper of the entire thing? Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Um, I think Nasir Little at 25 to Portland is an extremely high-value pick because he was a guy that truly had top-10 talent, but he was inconsistent. 
and it, from what I had heard and read, he was not that great in his workouts, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that just has a lot of potential and it's still to be seen if he will reach that potential. But I mean, he's six, six, you know, about 210 pounds. He's got perfect size to play small forward in the NBA. Obviously late first round, he's going to be on a cheaper deal for Portland. I think he's a guy that could end up being a very solid NBA player. Yeah. And at 25, if you can get that, that's obviously a win. It's crazy to look at some of this stuff because a guy like him, if he didn't go to college, he's a top 10 pick guaranteed yeah. out of high school. But then you think about a guy like Kobe White, who Kobe White probably wouldn't have even been anywhere near getting drafted there was out people, of high school. Oh, out of high school, people didn't know that People weren't sure if Kobe White was a one and done. Yeah. And he ends up going number seven overall. Right. And and then Nasir Little falls to where he goes in, you know, 25th. And rather pe- than being a borderline, some people thought he could be the number one overall pick. Right. And if it's just crazy going forward, because eventually it's going to happen that they're yeah. going to change the rule back. 2021. Where, where players can come out of high school. It's just crazy. I don't think people understand how much it's actually going to impact the yeah. NBA. Because a lot of people don't remember because you get caught up in this media craze phenomenon. If you look around the league a year ago, right now, there's not a single person who thought Zion was going number one. Right. It was consensus. R.J. Barrett's the number one guy. You know, he's the best player in the class. And when Duke goes on that trip to Canada, you people start, start to hear talking some about Zion. Of, yeah. Hey, this kid is wow. Yeah. And. All you saw of Zion was his videos on House of Highlights. On House of Highlights in high school, where he's throwing down 360 windmill dunks against a, a, against dudes a, who look like they're five foot five. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, a team of five foot five guys from like the hills in South Carolina go to these little private schools or something like that, and you're like, is he playing like eighth graders right now? Yeah. So that, dude, those guys probably really were like six two. Oh yeah. And Zion just made them look so small. When yeah, it's like. That's just the thing is college basketball. I mean, Duke, obviously, college basketball. I mean, Zion Williamson isn't where he is right now without it. Yeah. So, I just think, and whether it's, you know, what your opinion on it it is one way or another, it's going to change the landscape of the draft Mm -hmm. because – Even Jared Culver. Like, think about him. Yeah. If it's not for college college basketball, he's never going number five. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, a guy like – DeAndre Hunter. He's the same way. Right. John Morant. Yeah. Another guy. I mean – and a guy like Darius Garland, who a lot of guys thought he was the best guard in the draft, and, you know, he doesn't play this year, mm-hmm. has the injury, you know, a little bit of He'll injury. He'll fit well question. in Cleveland. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be a very good player. I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being the best guard in this draft class yeah. by the time his NBA career is over. I I think a lot of people obviously didn't get the opportunity to see him play. I mean, there's – We forgot. I think people forgot how good he was just because he only played in five games. Absolutely. There's, there's no question about that. I mean – this is easy to say, and there's no way to prove it, but there's no way that Vanderbilt goes 0-18 in the SEC if no. he's playing. I mean, yeah, Bryce Drew probably still has a job. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at Cam Johnson. Like, there's so many of these guys that's like, if he never plays college, bas- college basketball, he's never, you know, never becomes what he is right. where he's getting picked like this. Grant Williams, another guy. Yeah. You know. uh, Rui Hachimura. I mean, he came from Ch- Japan. I think he's like the first lottery pick ever from – Japan uh Chuma Okiki he's the same way yeah like so many of these guys Matisse Thibel he played all four years at Washington Grant Williams like you mentioned uh Ty Jerome like 
Ty Jerome was a high-level recruit, but even then, he was never a guy that's like, oh, he could go to the NBA straight out of high school. So mm-hmm. it, I think that even once that, that rule changes, I imagine that there will only really be like four or five guys in each class that will even be in a position to where they could potentially get drafted. Yeah, I I completely agree. And just – You got to think back too, like to when they first were doing that, why they changed the rule. People were not prepared. Those kids were not prepared. Right. You know, I mean, there were so many guys that were – think about like Sebastian Telfair and people like that. Now the infrastructure of basketball is so much better that they will have been much more well – they will be much more well-rounded to go and become a professional basketball player than I think they were back then. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Yeah. All right. Prediction for – give me one hot take for free agency. One hot take for free agency. Oh, boy. Um, all right. You go first. I, I got to think about it a little bit. All right. Um, Kawhi goes back to Toronto. That's not really a hot take. Uh, Kawhi goes back to Toronto – in my opinion, any Kawhi take is a hot take because I don't think there's a single guy that know other than Uncle Dennis. I think Uncle Dennis and Kawhi are the only people who have any idea what know it. Dude, Kawhi's living his best life. I'm all in on the Kawhi train right now. I love that guy. Hey, he's just a. I, I think that he is just a fantastic human being. Board man gets paid. Yeah, fun I, fun guy. Like I love the way that he has embraced how bland he is. Did you see that uh, that fake story that came out about him eating apples? Yeah, that was. I read that and I was so bummed when I figured out that that was fake because I read that and I'm like, that, I mean, I would not be shocked if that was a real story right. with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the guy's just. Well, I love the video, like the videos that Serge Baca has been doing. Uh, he's like, I'm with fun guy. And he's like, what it do, baby? <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, man, I feel like Kawhi is way more fun than what he lets anybody ever see. You oh, know? Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when he asked him what he was excited to do in the offseason, and he's like, eat desserts and drink alcohol. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what – that sounds like what a uh, – it's like someone – Someone told Kawhi, this is what it takes to be fun. <laughs> so he, when they asked him what he's excited to do in the offseason, he's like, drink alcohol and eat desserts. I think it's, I think it's hilarious, too, you know, that everybody says that he has no personality. He's pretty much a robot. And did you see that video after the, they won the finals when he's celebrating? Yeah. And, and he, like, drops his hands down. He's got his yeah. hands up, and he's, like, you know, pumped up. And then he just – a split second, just – Back to normal, right. blank stare on his face, no emotion. Well, it was all. almost like he did that, and then he saw Steph Curry, and he was like, oh, I don't want to rub it in Steph's face. Steph's my friend. I yeah. want to give him a hug. Well, the guy, the guy goes up to Andre Iguodala and tells him, you know, he apologizes about Clay, yeah. you know, hurting his knee. Like, obviously, there was literally no intention to hurt him at all. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, any Kawhi take that you throw out there is a hot take because – other than Uncle Dennis and Kawhi, I don't think there's any single person that knows what's going on in that guy's head. Kawhi is almost like a guy that you could almost see where he he's just like, you know, I don't even think I want to play basketball anymore. I just want to, like, relax. My buddy sent me a tweet on Twitter the other day, um, just DM'd it to me, and I – it's so funny. It, the tweet was literally – Kawhi is the guy that his family has no idea that he plays in the NBA. Yeah. He just leaves, says he's going to work, leaves for eight hours, you know, leaves for a couple of days on a road trip, comes home. Yeah. Family has no idea that he plays in the they NBA. They think he works the overnight shift at the at the tire factory or yeah. something. Uh, yeah, but I think he'll stay in Toronto, man, just because there's never been – like there's no precedent for a team winning the title and then their best player leaving. Yeah, I don't not, think that's ever happened before. Not – I mean, it probably has, 
but not that I can really think of. Yeah, um, at least not in the current It's very rare. Form. It's very yeah. rare. Uh, uh, I guess my – I don't even know if it's really bold anymore. My bold take will be I think Kyrie will be a Brooklyn net next year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a pretty solid. I think the uh, – we, we touched on it last night a little bit too during the draft. It's going to be very interesting what happens with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Just obviously – Yeah, we were texting about that. You know, the Achilles injury – but then, you know, now there's rumors of, you know, a potential sign and trade. Yeah. So he can get the full five years. Dude, I think the Warriors are trying to save their ass. That's why they're trying to get him that extra – because he can get an extra $57 million from the from the Warriors. Yeah. It's almost like that $57 million is them saying, like, we know we messed up. Yeah. So, like, here's $57 million so yeah. that you don't try and sue us or something. Right. For malpractice. Yeah. I uh, – yeah, I don't know. I mean, Durant's another guy, too. I – it's hard to envision him playing for the Warriors again, right. personally. Yeah. So, I think you can rule out. Clay's going back though. Oh, Clay! Clay's 100% going back. He'll yeah. he'll sign the the five year max extension and he'll be back. But I don't know. I just think if I'm Kevin Durant, I would almost just say I would almost say you know I'm going to sign a four year deal and go play wherever I want right. because. I mean, obviously, you know, next year is going to be a rehab year, and that's what, you know, how the sign and trade is kind of looking. It gives him an extra year, and he gets paid and, yeah. you know, is able to rehab the whole year. But um, I honestly thought for a while there he would just opt in with Golden State, mm-hmm. um, you know, take his 31 or whatever million dollars and just rehab his Achilles and then hit free agency next year when he's healthy. But um, I also think – I think it's very interesting, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. What What do you think the market is for Boogie? Man, I think Boogie should just go to a an ass team, dude. Just like just get his money, right? Go play for like the man. Go be on the I don't know. Uh, I can't even think of a team right now. Go be like on the Magic or something. I guess the Magic made the playoffs. Here's my Here's my bold take for Boogie. Go be on Memphis. Go play with Ja. My bold take for Boogie, and it'll probably end up being 100% wrong. I think he signs a one-year deal for the max amount of money, balls out for a year for a bad team, team that, you know, doesn't yeah. – that has cap space, that kind of kind of similar to what the Bulls did with Jabari Parker last year. They signed him to a one-year $20 million deal mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of taking a flyer. I think somebody will do the same with Boogie. I hope he balls out and gets himself a big contract, but I think he'll sign a one-year max deal somewhere. He'll sign a one-year max deal somewhere and just, like I said, where they're really bad, and he can just do whatever he wants to, you know, yeah. and with, like, completely no – with basically no repercussions. Yeah. And there's no, like, competing for a title on the line or anything like that. Like, don't worry about getting your ring. Just go get your buckets, Boogie. We want to see you get buckets. That's all we want. I'm trying to think of a team that would be fun for him. That's what I'm saying. I can't even think of one because nobody's – there's nobody that's bad enough right now that it's like just put him on that team and let him just go do his thing because everybody sucks. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a team even too that would have the cap space to take him on. Would Memphis? Uh, I mean, that is one that I could see where it's just like – I mean, they don't got many guys. Yeah, I, I don't know what their – they got Jaron Jackson that they're trying to – Are they still on the hook for the Chandler with? Parsons deal? Is that still them? Oh, yeah, I still think – I think so. We had a full conversation about this the other night where we were just looking at some of the worst contracts in the NBA. Yeah, right after the Anthony Davis trade. Yeah. Um, I think we're on I think we're on a consensus that the Charlotte Hornets had the worst contract in the NBA. Oh, Nicholas yeah, the, yeah, the Nick Batum contract. Uh, no, man, that's the other thing. The Pelicans, they got out from that Solomon Hill deal that was like $12 million 
and that cleared up another you know 12 million in cap space for them for yeah. the i mean they they have done everything right with this entire trade yeah they were just like they have undid everything wrong that dell demps did in six months david griffin might be the greatest general manager of all time i'm hey. starting to have serious questions hey i'm i mean at least compared to david griffin's really good i texted you about this a couple weeks ago I'm going to bat for Sean Marks, dude. I think that guy's a genius. Oh, in Brooklyn? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's able to resurrect that team from arguably the worst trade in NBA history. Man, that trade really didn't even work out that well for the Celtics, if you think about it. No. Because the way what it was meant to do was get them all those assets and everything so they could land this big star, and then they kept missing on everybody. And it's kind of of crazy when you think about it. If if my prediction comes true, it almost comes full circle because Brooklyn – Brooklyn sells the entire future of the franchise for, you know, the, the Boston Stars yeah. back in whatever year that was, long time ago now. 13 and, yeah, or 12. Know, yeah, and nothing ever really – I mean, a couple playoff appearances, but, mm-hmm. you know, no titles or anything. And Boston sitting on all these assets eventually turned the assets into Kyrie Irving – and Kyrie Irving leaves after two years and goes back to the, goes to the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, it would almost be and coming thing, full and circle. Basically, completely wrecked their entire culture in the process. Yeah, and all the momentum they had, where it was like everybody's like, "Damn, the Celtics are going to be the team to beat for like the next ten years." Oh yeah, when they and then Kyrie's like, "Nah, I'm good." When they went to the <laughs> conference everything. finals and yeah, you know they had they had all those guys hurt and Kyrie comes back, Gordon Hayward comes back and. They get worse, and now Al Horford's like, I'm getting the hell out of here. Dude, watch Al Horford. Man, I was thinking about this. Al Horford to, like, man, maybe L.A. If uh, if they miss on on some of the other guards that they're going after, I think Al Horford in L.A. would – I mean, they could definitely do worse. I bet they'll end up with Kemba because he'll probably take less money. I mean, I if uh, – like – if they can get to 27 where they can get Anthony Davis to, to take his Space Jam check and wave the trade kicker, uh, then I would think that – I mean, I think Kemba would probably do it for 27. Yeah, I think so too. He's in basketball purgatory. Well, we were talking about this the other day. <laughs> yeah. They, he, that, there is, I don't think there's a worse situation for a star to be in than that one in Charlotte. No. Yeah. Charlotte, if they re-sign uh, Kemba or if they don't re-sign Kemba, either one, all they have is their mid-level exception because of how many bad contracts they're on right now. There we go. That's where Boogie can go. He can go there on the mid-level exception. <laughs> yeah. I, huh? Yeah. I'm, I, I, the one team that came to my mind was Cleveland. And I'm like, hey, oh, yeah. here you go, John Beeline. You can uh, coach no, Boogie Cousins for that. a year. And Cleveland also does not have much cap space either. Yeah. With some of their contracts that they're on from. I'm surprised the they haven't tried era. to un- unload Kevin Love. Yeah, they're trying to get that J.R. Smith concert. I, I knew that uh, last night they were trying to move that pick to the fifth pick to try and get the- rid of the J.R. Smith deal. Yeah, and it's. Where is, like, who even knows where J.R. Smith is? Oh, man, he's probably somewhere dude, with the shirt off. I was going to say, that dude just, like, dropped off the map. He's sitting somewhere with his shirt off, sipping on some Hennessy. Yeah, J.R. J- maybe J.R. Smith will end up in L.A follow LeBron around man that would uh, I don't think I think Swaggy he might have I think he might have burned that bridge so I get back to the Lakers I was trying to think of just like some random guys that I mean with the way the Lakers have done business there's going to be some weird dudes who end up on this team and I don't I know was if just it trying, could be more weird than last year oh no where you got Rondo and Lance <laughs> Stevenson and Michael Beasley and but I was just trying to think of like who were some random names that could somehow possibly end up on the Lakers and I was just thinking like man like uh Somehow, like, Zaza Pachulia comes back. All of a sudden, he's on the squad. Hey, in all seriousness. Tyson Chandler, like, he's out there. 
Dude, in all seriousness, the Bucks, from everything I've heard, are trying to move Eli Sova. Why not? Yeah. Honestly. I mean, he's a good veteran player that... He was would, good for the Sixers. Yeah. That one he, year. He, I mean, he could be a relative, you know, obviously, you're not going to have to give up anything for him yeah. if they're just trying to sell him. So, and they could do worse. Yeah. But... Yeah, they definitely need to add some shooting, and they're going to have a lot of cheap contracts. So Right. Um, the, the shooting is what – man, Svi, they need to run it back with that summer league team. Bring Svi back and get our guy. LeBron needs to fly to Spain and hop his ass on the plane, fly to Spain, and get Matt Thomas, get, unload the Brinks truck and say, hey, we're bringing you back. It's time to go. I saw You've been you waiting here league. for two years. Yeah. You've been waiting here for two years. It's time. We need you on the Lakers. Come get buckets for us. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? What did he have in that championship game? Like thirty something? Oh man, he was he was ridiculous. He was balling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's time. Like just go get him, get him, get Svi, and we're just gonna space the floor. LeBron and AD go to work, and Kemba. Ke- Kemba's gonna get his buckets too. Yeah. Oh, what a career that would be, man. Just all you gotta do is just sit in the corner and spot up and shoot threes for that team. That that'd be pretty nice. That would be pretty nice. I bet he'd probably get paid about the same that he does over there too. Yeah. Uh. All right, man. So, call your shot. Who they get? Lakers. Which one they get? Kemba? I think I think you're right. I think it's going to be Kemba. All right. Thanks, man, for coming in. Thank you. Talk to you again uh, probably sometime during free agency. Absolutely. When things are really hitting the fan. Yeah. July Thank- 1st. Exactly. Thanks to everybody for listening. Talk to you guys again in a couple days. Peace.